Well, the mood is definitely a bit more somber this morning. The fact that Tesla is having to cut the prices of the cars it sells seems to have hit equities quite broadly. And bond yields also down today with softer labor market data in the United States. Home sales falling and the Philly Fed manufacturing index down quite a bit more than anyone had imagined. So are we now seeing less talk from central banks and turning our attention now to the potential downturn in the economy? Well, if we are, there's a whole bunch of PMIs to either add or detract from that way of thinking today. We'll see what it gives us. It's Friday, the 21st of April, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, mounting uncertainty uh, today with equities down overnight. We've got a 0.8% fall in the Nasdaq at close. The S&P 500 0.6% down and 0.3% drop in the Dow. Quite a lot of bouncing around in the last hour or so, but all in the red for most of the session. The Eurostox 50 also down 0.2%. The DAX down 0.6%. The FTSE 100 managed to just squeeze into the green. The US dollar is down a little less than 0.1%, though, on the DXY. The Aussie dollar doing better than most. It's up 04 percent today um, almost at 67.4 us cents the euro is marginally up the pound a little in the red the japanese yen has gained 0.3 percent the swiss franc up 0.4 percent just like the olden risk off days isn't it and bond yields down down six basis points for 10-year treasuries down seven for 10-year buns and nine for 10-year gilts the uh, aussie 10 years yesterday were down just a couple of basis points to 3.49 percent they've regained one of those points overnight that's all on futures and oil big falls brent down 2.7 percent down below 81 a barrel now wti has lost 2.4 percent so that sounds like more concerns of a downturn than rising rates isn't it let's see what uh, ken crompton thinks at nab in sydney uh, you know whether it's a recession that's feared or, or just a bit more of a downturn perhaps than was expecting it seems we're seeing uh, you know uh, expectations of uh, of some sort of downturn anyway because we've got uh, softer data out of the US overnight and that seems to be what the markets are reacting to. Yeah, good morning, Phil. It certainly wasn't sort of super weak data at the at, at the headline level and to be fair, not much of it sort of necessarily being major sort of first tier data either. I mean, except maybe, um, you know, job, jobless claims where people have been looking for trends there for a while. But, you know, we, we did see big drops in the, in the Philly Fed um, survey, which is, you know, you don't normally want to place too much stock in regional Fed surveys, and if you offset that against, um, you know, the strength in um, in the Empire State survey, they've been sort of um, seesawing between each other. You know, so the you can't sort of I wouldn't read too much into that story. Although the average of those indices is heading down. Um, you know, the increase in the jobless claims, as I mentioned, ticking up to about two forty five. Okay, so I mean, after those revisions to that series were, were sort of put in a couple of weeks ago, yeah, that, that's a, that's a bit of a moderate uptick, and I guess the thing there too. Well, I guess if you look at the continu- if you look at the continuing claims, that's where the numbers were quite big. The difference was quite big, wasn't it? Because it went from one point eight, just over one point eight million, to one point eight six five. So that's a rise of sixty one thousand claims in a week. That's quite a big number. Yeah, so that, that's starting to show that um, you know maybe some of those sort of layoff series that we're starting to see are starting to filter through into in, into claims, and um, yeah, as people yeah, people. People are starting to stay on, um, you know, stay on benefits a little bit longer, as it is a little bit harder to get that job as they as they come around. So, sort of playing into the the idea of softness in, um, in a little bit of softness in the US labour market at the margin. So. Yeah, and I guess that Philly Fed. I mean, as you say, it's a second it's second tier data minus twenty three point two last time. It was expected to pick up to minus nineteen point two, but it actually fell to minus thirty one point three. So, I mean, that is a sign. I mean, you know, you add it together with everything else, it's just another sign of an economy that is getting soft. Yeah, or at least that the the sort of rampant um, 
sort of sustained high level of consumption that has been a, f- a feature of the US data earlier this year, or maybe not so consumption, but it's US data in general. Maybe there's just a bit of a softening around the edges. So I don't think it um, it says anything calamitous at this point. But um, yeah, but but. But that is the evidence. Tighter policy is having effect. Exactly. Added to the accumulation of evidence. And um, and, and I think given bond yields have had a pretty good rebound from the lows of a few weeks ago. Now, part of that was unpricing some of the the panic around US banks. But um, with yields having sort of pulled up over 30 points from the lows, then uh, arguably there was a bit of of scope for a retracement anyway. And we've still got yields in the the 350s. So Yeah. I mean, yields can't just keep on going high and high. We can't keep on, uh, you know, arguing that uh, the Fed and other central banks are just going to keep on interest rates at some point yields will slow down and we start uh, we start saying okay let's let's uh, let's not worry about central banks now let's look at how the economy's doing oh not so good perhaps and that seems to be what yeah you've got, you've got to return back to the real data at some point and um yeah i, I, I would argue that it's may, maybe not necessarily yeah, as i said it's, it's not calamitous but um but but the evidence of things not being quite as robust is um is weighing adding to that um concerns about how much you know credit constraint in the u.s might do some work for the fed and um yeah the the, the the Fed might not have to go as high, and you know, so yields aren't going. Yields are unlikely to, to break those peaks that we were seeing in, you know, in in early March, and you probably get a you probably get a steeper curve if you do. So. And we can add to all of our existing home sales as well. Uh, so of course we had they're down quite a drop. But of course we had a big increase in February, uh, which has been revised down, but that was still thirteen point eight percent month on month. So very choppy data. But I mean that was be- I think that was because mortgage rates fell, didn't they? I mean they went down to six percent for a thirty uh, year uh, fixed rate when they've been up over seven percent last November. So I think I mean that's that says something, doesn't it? You know they go down to six percent. Everyone races out, uh, buys a house. Uh, because they obviously expect six is good. It's not going to get much lower than that. And, uh, you know, as as they've gone up again, we've started to see uh, home sales starting, you know, very reactive, in other words, to um, uh, to mortgage rates. Yeah, we did see those mortgage rates down sort of even even closer towards the, the low sixes for a period there back in January and February. So, yeah, we're back getting near to the top of the recent range now. And, I mean, as well as sales, obviously, there would be some, um, there would be some refinance activity going on in there. No doubt, with as, as people maybe look to lock in that that little dip. Well, that was quite brief. So, sort of whether people can react that quickly, I'm not. Uh, I'm not too sure. But uh, mm. at the margin, it would have made a bit of a difference. Yeah. All right. And then uh, th- th- it's all just adding all small stuff together. Uh, U.S. and China, their relationship. So Janet Yellen has been giving a speech in Washington overnight, uh, saying that you know we can't give up security concerns for economic gain. But also said, you know, we can't decouple from China. It would be disastrous for the U.S. economy and it would be disastrous for China. So she's trying to find a pathway through to have a, a meaningful relationship. But, you know, a relationship where they, you know, an honest relationship where they talk about concerns about security and, uh, and stuff like that. So it's quite a bit of attention paid to that. I don't think it was market moving, but it shows, you know, just thinking before the pandemic, that's all we were talking about, wasn't it? The U.S. relationship with China. Yeah, m- m- you, you could argue maybe Yellen was, fl- yeah, sorry, Janet Yellen was floating a bit of a trial balloon there, maybe, given that's been part of that. Yeah. <laughs> given the balloons going the other way have been a bit of a problem that uh, that set this off. But um, yeah, certainly the speech there, trying to disentangle some of the security issues from, from the economic cooperation. And, you know, arguably... Yeah, it's been a bit of a mixed bag under the Biden administration. Some of the sort of more sort of outrage, some sort of the more sort of outright aggressive policies against China have been wound back a little bit. But then you have seen um, this sort of tightening of semiconductor policy and and looking to sort of aggressively bring that back on short of the US. So obviously all, all, all that is sort of playing into an increasing tension as well. So interesting to see where it, where it leads. I guess the fact that you've got um, you've got high level policymakers in the US out there talking about it, um, yeah. 
that does um, attract yeah, attention. It, 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 yeah. It, yeah, it does attract attention to it. So I mean, po- possibly also maybe um, maybe trying to distract attention from other issues at the Treasury, where we're starting to see uh, you know the um, yeah the, the debt ceiling limit in the US. Yeah, that's. I mean, obviously, it first began to be talked about in, in in December, January. Obviously, you've got a new Republican Congress there, so they're keen to sort of flex their muscle a little bit, and you're starting to see that affecting market pricing at the very front end of the um, of the US curve as well. So that's starting to get a bit more talked about. I'm still of the view that it probably does get resolved at the last minute somehow, but it's starting. Yeah, well, to it has. I mean, but, you know, one month builds are you know much lower yield than eight week uh, yields because, of course, you know they you know question is how far can we limp through? But one month is okay. Eight weeks we go past the the point that's supposedly at which they run out of money so uh so you know yields are much higher there uh, but that's all going to tr- trace back if you're right and you would i mean they always find a solution don't they yeah i mean i guess the the, the biggest one in um sort of 2011 2012 ended with a, with a moderately lengthy government shutdown um i don't think politically that's probably not palatable for for either party uh, yeah, to, to, to do that again but um but yeah a solution always comes up at the last minute but so it will impact yields a bit a bit of volatility in those uh, very very short-term yields so uh, uh yes uh, so the other thing the, I, I, just a theory of mine i mean we know that uh, you know, companies have been doing fairly well in terms of, you know, they've been reporting fairly healthy profits uh, because they can, you know, because in the mix of inflation, they've just been able to do it. People have been prepared to pay because they had the savings and maybe they, those days are gone. And maybe that uh, that news that Tesla, uh, you know, is having to squeeze its own margins now. It's having to reduce its price of its cars to be able to, to sell. I mean, Tesla shares are down 10% this morning. Uh, maybe there's a concern that, you know, that's going to happen across all sectors that we're going to see more of a margin squeeze, so less profitability for for businesses. But of course, very good for inflation, getting inflation down. Yeah, I mean we're sort of still sort of chugging through US earnings season. I guess to, to, we haven't sort of seen that margin compression story playing out too widely yet. Um, yeah, agree that the the Tesla price cut stories have been the first sort of significant data point on that, and I think it does follow a, a series of sort of modest price cuts over the course of this year. So it's sort of an extension of existing trend for them. But but yeah, but but absolutely, um, yeah, margin expansion has been a has been a large part of the inflation story, and um, yeah, that, that could be a big part of the the disinflation story to. to kick it off yeah. at least so that'll be interesting so that uh, for disinflation softer data hopefully uh, helping to uh, you know with disinflation as well and then uh, New Zealand um, you know the inflation rate uh, it looks like it's peaked 6.7% yesterday was the headline rate uh, for the March quarter. The RBNZ had forecast 7.3%, so quite a bit below that. Uh, so bond yields down a bit, I think, uh, two years for Kiwi uh, bonds down uh, uh, to nine basis points lower to 4.72%. Uh, so has the RBNZ had their last rise? Looks like it, doesn't it? Well, the market's still got one more in there, and I think um, if you're an investor in New Zealand rates, given the way the RBNZ operates and their hawkish rhetoric coming out of recent meetings, you'd probably still be uh, it's probably still a little bit smart to keep that pricing in there for a little while. Um, yeah, looking across the detail of the print, yeah, as you said, big um, yeah, sort of a big improvement in the headline number, especially relative to the RBNZ zone forecast. I mean, looking sort of tearing that apart and looking at some of the details, though, the big gains are actually in tradables inflation. So, um, yeah, so those are goods that can be sort of easily substituted for for imports. Yeah, the the, the beat there versus the RBNZ's number was sort of a full percentage point. Uh, but typically, you'd probably look at non-tradables inflation as maybe being a, a better indication of how effective policy 
has been, and the beat there was was was, was much more modest, you know, six point eight percent year on year, um, and that actually accelerated relative to Q4, so up 02 percent. Still beat the RBNZ's expectations, but but that persistent persistence in non tradables inflation probably will still be a little bit of a concern for the going forward. So I haven't seen a um, you know an, an updated RBNZ call from our colleagues there yet, but they do still have they have still had a, a little bit more right. Yeah. Okay, and what about the fallout from the uh, from the RBA review? Uh, obviously, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, but uh, we've we've learned a lot more since then. What I find curious, one of the complaints has been that the RBA didn't act fast enough to lift rates. Uh, so now they're going to meet less often, uh, so they've got more time to consider interest rates. I'm a bit lost on the logic of that, <laughs> of that one. They need more time to act faster. Uh, go figure. But anyway, uh, I would imagine there's not been enormous market reaction to this, really, because a lot of it is all happening down the track. But what has been the response to this? Yeah, there was a, a, a few sort of burbles of volatility in interest rate markets yesterday morning, but nothing that's really stuck. So, um, you know, the big sort of th- the big technical thing for markets has been a change in the meeting schedule. So there's a lot of um, you know, interest rate derivatives that are tied to monthly meetings. So those will need some adjustment. But I imagine those will be those will be a little more likely to be pushed through. Um, you know, something beyond the end of the current contract series. And I've seen some stories this morning talking about that move to eight meetings a year more likely to happen for mid twenty four than than um, you know than any earlier. Um, I think, I mean, in broad terms, you'd probably say that the the reviews sort of come out roughly in line with where we're expecting. Yeah, we thought we thought there was a good chance of a of, of an external or sort of a, an externally weighted monetary policy committee being being appointed. And I guess you'd ask, you know, how would policy have changed over the past couple of years or even the past couple of decades if you'd had that system in place? It's not necessarily clear there would have been a dramatically different policy. I guess what you probably would have had if you'd had regular regular press conferences with the governor after you know, each of these now eight meetings, if you'd had the ability for the uh, external members of the committee to actually be out there speaking, giving their own individual views and nuance around the around the House view, then maybe you would have mm. had a better sort of forward picture from the RBA, you know, rather than this sort of you know, reliance on um, sort of consideration of journalists who, who seem to be better briefed than others. So arguably, I think um, sort of one of my colleagues put it as, you know, basically bringing this debate into the light, you know, rather than having it um, rather than having it going on around the board table. I think that would be the bigger difference. So Rather than sticking a bunch of journalists in a locked room before the announcement, absolutely, just uh, get it out there for everybody. Makes it, you know, like the Fed does. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? So the RBA uh, quantitative tightening kicks off today. Headline news. You, you heard it here first. Uh, give us more. Yeah, a bit of a um, b- b- bit of one for the uh, sort of policy and market technical nerds out there. But um, there isn't a there isn't an Australian government bond maturity today of about thirty five billion. The RBA owns thirteen billion of that. So of the liquidity that got um, that got injected in the market over QE, you know, thirteen billion of that will have um, disappeared by um, you know as, as the RBA gets paid back today. So look, to be honest, it's not going to have any significant um, market impact. There has been a few smaller bond maturities before, but this is sort of the beginning of QT starting to ramp up. So there's you know sort of fifteen odd billion now, a bit more. In twelve months, and then it really starts to pick up, you know, from sort of late twenty four onwards. But this is the first, uh, this is the first decent sized clip of um, of RBA. So, if the question today is really just how much are economies slowing down, because we've talked about, you know, a lot of indicators suggesting that they are, which is one of those, you know, bad news is good news because it will hopefully keep rates contained. 
Uh, well, today, PMI Day uh, couldn't come at a better time, could it? So we get manufacturing and services for the US, UK, Germany and the Eurozone. So the question is, will we see any softening from that lot? Yeah, certainly the surprise out of the PMIs for March, which we traded about a month ago, obviously, um, was surprising mm. strength in services across both Europe and, oh, sorry, well, broadly across Europe, yeah, sort of UK, Europe, Germany, um, yeah, very strong um, services PMI results, um, you know, given that, um, you know, the, the expectation beginning of the year had been for the potentially a, you know, a modest European recession on the back of the energy price woes for the service sector to be holding up was quite interesting. And that'll be the most keenly watched aspect of tonight will be to see, you know, sort of whether services can continue to, to hold that strength. You've got quite a significant divergence in the in the levels there now with the, um, you know, the manufacturing PMIs across all those countries sitting in um, you know, contractionary levels below 50 and the um, you know, and the services PMI is sort of sitting up around sort of 52, 50, 55 in the case of the entire Eurozone. So that, that'll be the thing to watch there, whether that holds up. Right, okay. Uh, Japan's CPI as well, that'll be interesting today. We haven't got time to talk about it. Consumer confidence in the UK as well. Look, you know, that's not going to be good, uh, but but we know they're only happy when they're melancholy. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll see what that brings. Good to talk, Ken. Catch you next time. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. And that's it for this week on The Morning Call. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB, back again on Monday morning. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.